welcome to the Medevac Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Myers, joined by our other host today, David Reed. Hello, everybody. Before we hop into today's episode, keep in mind there's a price for the show. If you've heard this before, you know it to be true. Look Search your feelings. Yeah. Is that what it is? Search your feelings. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. We're nerds on this show. Who's our guest today? <laughs> we have some awesome guests today. Uh, we have Aaron Nearbon. He is the founder of Troops Direct, a uh, very powerful 501c3 nonprofit that supports veterans and active duty service members across the globe. And Andrew Six. He's a 14-year army medic attached to a dust-off unit. And we're going to hear some cool stories about how these two gentlemen met and uh, maybe some cool dust-off rescue stories. Come dust- from the Air Force guy. Yeah, yeah dust-off dust is, you know, like our little brother. <laughs> That's right. First of all, six, six, what a great last name for the military. Right. I mean, he's like, got your six. They make you know? fun of all the time. You're going to start a 501c3 after and right. be in competition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got I, your six. I used to be called four a lot if I like messed up for the day. But you're, you're not even worth your last name. You're a four today. You're a four today. Brutal. You're a four. Yeah. Well, that, that's amazing. So, so why don't you kick us off with my, one of my favorite ways to start this is like why the military, why you started. And then you could tell us like wh- how you got involved sure. in the military. Totally. Um, I mean, so I, I guess my story is probably not unlike a lot that, you know, people join the military. I was, you know, I graduated high school. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I had been to like EMT school and worked mm-hmm. at like an amusement park in Pennsylvania as an EMT on the side. An and, amusement uh, park. Oh yeah. Which one was it? Uh, Dorney Park. And, and it's, like, it's in Dorney Pennsylvania, Park. has some roller coasters, you know, and okay. I was like the little guy in the golf cart would show up and be like, nice. Hey, you have to be this tall, you know, or whatever. But you were an EMT. Oh yeah. So medical is something that you were always considering. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and then I was like volunteering at a fire department and this guy was like, Hey, uh, the recruiter is like a pretty good looking woman. You should go down there. And so I showed up <laughs> never met her. But six weeks later, I was like in the army. And yeah, that's basically it. I joined the army. Do you often think of her? No, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm happily married now. <laughs> With no, regret. It was just, like, just kind of like a, my brother was in the Marine Corps. Uh, he had commissioned. Mm-hmm. I knew I kind of wanted to. And this was just sort of like that little like, you know what? Maybe I will yeah. go down there right now. I'm like 18 and a half or whatever. I'll just go do this. And no Marines for you. No. Well, I wanted to, right? But I w- knew I wanted to be a medic. Mm. And then he was like, oh yeah, you guys are in the Navy. I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. I, I think I'm going to go a different path. Yeah. I want some actual military experience yeah. here. <laughs> well, I just don't really like swimming very much. Oh, that's You fair. know, like I could never be a PJ. I just don't, you know. So the army it is. No, that's my fair. Legs. You know, a lot of a lot of people with the swimming. Yeah. Messes with a lot of people's heads. That's fucking terrifying. Get it, getting well, drowned. Like, drowned intentionally. Yeah. Like, no well, I've, been, I've been on some overwater rescues where PJs are jumping in a 30-foot swells at night. Yeah. It's fucking terrifying. It's, it's, abs- yeah. it's it is gangster. It is terrifying, and to have the have the nuts to to jump into a you know thirty foot swells, pitch black darkness, yeah. and hope that you know the helicopter can pick you back up. Yeah, Hopefully, I've done some, like overwater qualls, you know, deal yeah. just landing on boats, and mm-hmm. it's like, nope, yeah. none of that. Like, yeah. I'll just land here, and then we'll leave, and yeah. I'll never come back. Not for me. Yeah. The, sea, the sea does not care. Yeah. Does it's not just care. so powerful, yeah. like that. It, it will it's just terrifying. take you. Yeah, yeah. You did the the deck landing qualls. Yeah. Did you ever do those at night where you get to stand? No. So the only time I did it was on the comfort, which is kind of like cheating. It's like a big boat. It's daytime. Okay, you land sideways. You yeah, know, it's like easy. It's not too bad. It's Usually, same, so when you're landing a helicopter. On a boat, sometimes there's single landing spots, which means the superstructure, like the big tower that's in front of you, is just inches from the rotor tip path. 
Like these pilots? Yeah, you're parallel parking a helicopter. Oh, basically. Yeah, 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 you are parallel parking a helicopter. It the is deck's crazy. not pitching at all. You know? yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, and it moves in four degrees. It rolls. It you know it yaws. Yeah, it's everything. It's completely dynamic situation. Yeah, it's, that yeah. is insanity. It's so. scary out there. <laughs> so so walk us through. So you you found your way to the army recruiter office. I'm sure he was just smoking a cigarette right out there, saying, "Come on in." Right. right? No, I like knock on the door. The guy's like, "What's up?" I'm like, "Hey, I want to be a medic," and he's like, "Okay." Sit down, you know, like yeah. kind of just like I'm taking his time, you know? Sure. And, um, you know, like I had no idea what the process was. I knew nothing about it. I mean, I basically knew what the military was. Like my brother had just commissioned um, and he's like, okay, I'll, I'll pick you up. We'll go to this paperwork. We'll go to this place. You take this test, you know, we go mm-hmm. to this other place and then basically that's it. And so I like, I didn't do very well on the ASVAB. I like didn't know any of that stuff. I was old enough to sign for myself and I basically shipped out like, you know, whatever it was, six weeks later. Nice. It was six weeks. I think so, yeah. Quick yeah. turnaround, yeah. It was it the is. summer that I, after I had graduated, so it was like, basically like, when can you leave? And I'm like, uh, now? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Today, if you want, really. <laughs> I, I remember like thinking, it was 08 when I enlisted that like, I'm going to miss this war. Like mm. my my friends are all going, my family members are going, like, I'm going to miss it, mm. you know, like, you know, and do w- this now. What's, what's just, uh, you know, a younger man's opinion at that point is like, I'm going to miss out on the war. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, this is kind of funny to me. It is. Yeah, but, you know, so, like, cause we all felt it when we were younger. We're like, absolutely. Like sign me up yeah. for explosions yeah, and this, death. This war won't last 10 years. We need yeah. to get it <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. You were wrong. Yeah. But right. <laughs> you didn't miss it. We were all wrong. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of funny. One of the classes I teach, there's this little sound bite where the guy mm. is like doing this, uh, uh, reporters talking about the war and he's like, mm. you know, here in Afghanistan, you know, sh- shortly in 2014, the war will be over and we'll all be home. <laughs> yeah. We all like chuckle like he was wrong. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, really. It's not over. We're just going to do another surge. <laughs> just yep. rename it. Like two more. Just rename <laughs> it from here on out. That's great. So, how did you get involved in the military? So I was never in the service. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess if you go back through my my DNA, I found out that I was a son of the revolution. So it's kind of in my blood to be, you know, supportive. My, my One of my grandfathers was in uh, the European theater in World War II and in Korea. My other grandfather served uh, in World War II. He was at Midway. Wow. Um, yeah, actually lost him at 101 years old last November. You know, he was oh, yeah, awesome all the way through. Um, but anyways, uh, and my dad didn't serve. And when I graduated college in 95, there really wasn't a call to serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was before 9-11, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the first invasion that was, you know, that happened was done and gone, Bosnia, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just continued on, you know, on my way through, you know, business and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, but I, one of my best friends who I went to college with, um, he went into the Marine Corps right out of college. And uh, always, you know, remain friends. But, you know, just that's what he did. And this is what I did. And then in 2010, uh, his birthday is the same birthday as my dad. So I always remember that's May 28th. And he was deployed to Sangin as a company commander with 3rd Battalion, 7th Marines. Mm-hmm. And I call up his wife, who was also a captain in the Corps at that time. And she was down at 29 Palms. And I call her up and say, hey, I want to send him a care package for his birthday. I've never sent a care package in my life. God bless America, but I've just never done it. What should I send him? Mm. And she goes, just send him the basics, um, you know, some hygiene stuff and things like that. That's all he's really going to need. He's easy going. And I'm like, okay, well, me, 
I go to Home Depot and get this like 24 by 24 box, <laughs> those little APO boxes. Yeah. And $800. I just start packing stuff in there. I mean, toothpaste, coffee, dip, magazines. I mean, anything I can put in this box, you know, and like four rolls of packing tape <laughs> later, you know, and I ship it out to them. And uh, this was in early June of 2010. And a few weeks later, I get an email from him. He's like, holy shit. He's like, I need all this stuff. But he goes, the Marines under my command need even more than I do. So I'm giving everything to them. Mm. You know, dumb civilian. I'm like, well, hold on. You, don't you have like, you know, Herc's just dropping stuff on you all day long. <laughs> yeah. Onyx boxes everywhere and <laughs> trucks funny. Everything you need whenever you need, like, hey, need more of this. He's like, dude, no. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I got your six. You know, it's like, what do you need? I don't know what you need. I'm a dumb civilian. What do you need? You tell me exactly what you need. I'll get it, bro, and I'll get it to you. Mm. And it wasn't, you know, send us cartons of smokes and the most recent issue of, you know, of Playboy. It was, well, you know, my medics need these things. You know, mm. we need boot laces. We need more iPro. And yeah. I'm like, basic supplies. What? Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. And, you know, you should have like, talked to this guy and said, it's the army needs to stop hoarding all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> the Marines like just trying to scrape by explaining things like food everywhere, Herc's dropping shit. I'm like that sounds exactly like, yeah. that. like <laughs> you know, and, and Bill, to that day, that is, that's still, you know, the, the larger impression of, you know, from the public's, you know, view of what it's like. Mm. And, uh, and so it was like, all right, dude, you know, and then it was got your box. Can I get some of this? Yeah. Sure. And then other commanders in the battle space were saying, Hey, dude, where are you getting all this stuff? And he's like, my, my friend's sending it to me. I was like, well, could, would you mind if we emailed them too? <laughs> and then, you know, other, you know, yeah. other commanders and, you know, across, you know, Hellman province were like, you don't know me, but, and I was like, how do you say no? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm just maxing out credit cards, you know, for sake of Ugh. helping, seriously, helping, yeah. helping, you know, guys out. You're just using your own money yeah. to supply all these yeah. things. I mean, Troops Direct was nothing at that point. It was yeah. just, Aaron Nearbon in his garage at midnight, you know, packing boxes. And that was when customs forms, you had to do them like triplicates. All by like hand that, and know? shit. Yeah. And, That's uh, insanity. And that was really the birth of it. And then we knew it got real when all of a sudden, you know, we were getting calls from, um, you know, uh, 10th group at Fort Carson. They're like, hey, we heard about you through somebody. Can you help us out? And it's like, yeah, funny. They were getting calls from, you know, some of the dudes with the teams down Coronado. And it's like, okay, funny joke. Who's playing a prank on me? You know, Seals and Green Berets, they got everything they need. Well, you know, and so that's really just been the, that was the spawning of what is this machine now in Troops Direct that makes sure that our Americans, wherever they are on the, they are on the globe, get what they need to the letter, put anywhere on the globe that they need it put mm. at no expense to them. So this was founded based off of your friend that you went to college with, mm -hmm. you know, so he kind of threw you under the bus and made you max out your cards. <laughs> you know, he probably asked me back then, you know, could I, uh, you know, could I uh, help someone else out, you know? Yeah. But what I do remember was they were getting back home in October of 10 or so, um, and they had the rip with 3-5. And he goes, hey, my buddy's the uh, one of the company commanders for uh, 3-5. Do you want to help him out too? Okay. Sure, you know? yeah. And so his buddy calls me up. His name was Brian. He goes, hey, why don't you come on down to Pendleton and we can meet and stuff like that. So I fly down from the Bay Area where, you know, we're based right now. And uh, 
I walk into you know, 62 areas of the north side of uh, Pendleton, and I walk in, and the entire command staff of three five is sitting there, like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you," and I'm like, "All right, yeah. I've just bit off a whole lot more than I can chew," you know. But yeah, I mean, that was, it, real. was it was reinforcing the reality of the need and our ability as small as it was back then to support our Americans doing stuff. Mm. Makes sense. And to this day, it's not, Hey, you know, send us candy and send us, you know, this, it's like, no, if it's not medical, tactical, comms, canine, or anything that's life-saving or mission accomplishing, it's not what we do. Mm. That makes sense. So let me ask you a question that's loosely related. Um, Of all, you know, anyone who talks to you, what branch do they think you're a part of? If they, if they assume you're within the service, sure. it's got to be a specific branch. I think the people, <laughs> the Marine Corps. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's don't let the aerodynamics fool you. But honestly, um, I, I truly, I believe that it's because we were founded off supporting the Marine Corps mm-hmm. in the early First. days. Yep. And so there's that kind of, that, that kind of undertone of the fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. The unwillingness to say no <laughs> is how I describe Marines. Yeah. Well, yeah. That I mean, they, they will not say no. They won't take it for an answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really displayed by, it's, it's by your tr- actions. It's too. true, you know, but it's just, and I'll say that you, you meet, I've met the best people of my life in the last 12 years through in the service rooms, like six as an example. And it's like, you can't say no to them because you've got this friendship and love and support mm. for a guy like Andrew or any other dude downrange right now or lady yeah. for that matter, just like it was for my buddy back then. Mm-hmm. It's like, I got you. I'm not going to say no. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a really interesting dynamic and it's really important to have someone such as yourself on this show because one, you might not have been, you know, raise the right hand at all, but you still give back so much and still have the mindset, very much so like the military mindset of not saying no, just getting it done, accomplishing the mission. And I, I think that's that's really unique in that how do we find that trait or that feature in ourselves? How did you find that for you? Which trait? Because I've, I've, uh, I I've, asked that question because I've 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 developed a lot of new traits in myself yeah. over the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but like what specifically? I think, I think just uh, the accountability, you know, I mean, just all, all that's encompassing in the military mindset. I think you're very, is it because you're so closely related to it and you interact with it on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Or is it a, a change that you made in yourself that says, I need to implement this, this, and this from this, these core belief systems? Well, I'll, 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 I'll give you a little bit of backstory is that when I came out of college, uh, my family, my grandfather, my dad, and I, we owned car dealerships up in the Bay area. Mm. And so I did that until we got out of that. And I got into a uh, real estate industry and stuff like that. And there's a responsibility to, you know, people there that your clients and things like that. But, um, when you are interfacing with someone who's volunteered to serve the nation and they're in a place where they may not come back or not. Mm. And we've lost a lot of guys along the way that we knew, and that sucks. Um, there's a new level of responsibility when you, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you go out the door and you go in the office and you kick those lights on. It's, you know, it's, it's game on every day. Mm-hmm. So I think it's that, you know. And accountability too, is I think you kind of jumped right into a leadership role where you're out there to support people. And mm-hmm. then when you go into the military and it's day one, you're, Kind of just looking out for yourself, right? Yeah. Do what you're told. Yeah. Keep <laughs> yeah. your head down. Mm-hmm. 
And no one notices me. Hopefully no one notices. <laughs> and if you do have attention, and I'm sure that last name did not help you at all. Uh, but you kind of dived right into it with right. helping the men out. You yeah. Know, men and women who needed to. And when you to, say yes to a guy who's, you know, in Afghanistan or in Iraq or, you know, in a lot of other places around the globe that I can't mention that we're, serv- we're helping out service members. When you say yes to them, they're relying on that yes. in a big, huge way. They're waiting for that, hey, it's on its way. They're waiting for that, you know, that mail call or that bird to, you know, come in or that, you know, that whatever. So it's a it's a greater level of responsibility than anything. I, mean, I was kicked in from the deep end with no water in the pool, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, when we started Troops Direct. And I didn't wake up and say, gee, I'm going to start a, a charity. <laughs> No, it was like my credit cards are a little maxed out. I should probably think about (laughs) outsourcing this. And I I mean, back then, you know, with my wife, Michelle, it was like, you know, I was just, you know, starting this organization. It's like, I got this thing going on. And then it was like, honey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to hang up my daytime job. So I remember going over to my dad's office, which was kind of across the hall from me. um, And I said, dad, he goes, how's that, that troops thing going that you're doing? I said, it's just taking up so much of my time. I said, I, I'm, I'm going to probably hang it up. I just, you know, and everyone's saying, oh, the war is going to be over in 2012. We're not yeah. going to need you anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, thanks for playing and all that stuff. And my dad goes, what do you want to do? He goes, I said, dad, I really want to do Troops Direct. And he goes, take that jump. He goes, follow your gut and do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that conversation. But then I remember, you know, going home and saying, honey, I'm hanging up my career to do this thing. And it was pretty much, I'm expecting. And it was like, whoa, you know, and, <laughs> Good then, and then, you know, and our, our first son, you know, Noah was shortly after. So it was like, all right, you know, how do I make this thing, you know, happen? Mm. And uh, you just, you follow your gut and you think about, you know, the hundreds of thousands that are out there, you know, putting in work every day. And you just, you're just that small team. Back then it was just me, you know, was that one guy doing the things for, you know, guys like Six. Yeah. So Six, when did your path, like lead us up into the point that your paths cross. So I want to kind of dive into your training as a ground medic. Sure. And how you transition to a flight medic as well. Yeah. So um, I enlisted in 08, um, you know, I went to, you know, the standard basic training, AITL stuff for, to be a medic. And I, and I got stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky mm-hmm. with 101st. Um, and that was 2000 and I guess the beginning of nine. Um, and right away went to Afghanistan in 10 and we were in mm-hmm. Kandahar for 10. So it was, you know, it's not that far away from where those guys were. What, when, when, you, when were you there? I was in uh, Kandahar from June of 10 to June of 11, basically. Oh man, I was, uh, I was out there as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we call what you guys were like, we called it like the ruins or something. And it was just like, basically you heard firefights all day and all night there. Yeah. It's like, well, that sounds terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we would get like the, uh, the squirters, you know, that would like come out and we'd, but anyway, Kandahar. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness, that's a crazy one. Yep. And um, and I, I guess um, throughout like the, my my deployment there, it, you know, it, ten in general wasn't a great year for a lot of us, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things going on. There were a lot of people getting hurt. There was a lot of just like we grew. I, I tell people like I grew up kind of quick there, right? Yeah. Like I, I yeah. turned twenty one there, um, but I felt like I was much more seasoned than I should. Every deployment adds five years, you know, easily. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was, you know, it was kind of rough. And then, um, throughout this like weird series of, of interactions, um, I, I met this, this flight medic who came to pick up some casualties from me, right. My, my platoon kind of, kind of blown up by, uh, a VBA, the building collapsed and all this, this stuff. And, um, these guys were evacuating my patients. And I remember just seeing this 
this guy that was a flight medic um, and he was very calm and like basically everyone around me was, was in chaos, right? The, the whole situation was kind of crazy. And I was kind of thought like, okay, like, I want to do that. Like that dude, <laughs> you know, similar probably to like the PJs, right? Like the shows up and is sort of calm in this chaotic situation who is performing in basically the people there's worst day where yeah, they're that's experience right there. Yeah. That's experience yep. is what that is. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Fast forward, you know, I, we go home from the deployment and a guy from my platoon plays like a men's like softball league or whatever. And he's like, oh, and I tell him like, hey, I think I want to go join the 160th or I want to go be a flight medic or I want to go be a PJ. I want to do something else mm. because I'm basically, uh, every army medic has kind of the same training pipeline unless you break off into like special operations or something else. You're sure. basically doing the same things. And I don't want to go to a hospital and I don't want to do that. Um, and he's like, oh, hey, this guy on my softball team, uh, is a flight medic. Like we should go talk to him while I go meet him at like the ballpark. And it's that dude. It's that flight medic picked (laughs) up those guys from standing in front of me. And he's like this big, like six, three, like this black dude. And he's just like, Hey, you look really familiar. And I'm like, Holy crap. This is super weird. And, um, so he gets me to, to just basically it's there on Fort Campbell. So I just switch units to that unit. Um, is that Francis? That's Rakim Francis. Oh man. Right. And so, and Rakim met them basically first. And that's kind of how we got, plugged in. Um, he ended up being like my, my squad leader, my platoon sergeant for a couple more deployments. Um, and then on, on one, I think it was 2012, we were getting ready to deploy and he had told me, Hey, I, I, I emailed these guys. I think they're going to help us out, get some, some stuff, you know, the command's going to get us, you know, the better equipment or whatever. And, um, and so I emailed you, we talked on the phone for like an hour I was at like Vanderbilt University in like a clinical and I like watching the hallway and I'm just talking to this dude for like an hour about, yeah. about things that we might need in the future uh, yeah, or whatever. Joaquin Cole called us. It wasn't a, like, you know, sort of no billboards outside of Fort Campbell saying need shit, call us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then I remember, I think it was as he was, I, he was getting ready to drop papers, I think. And he goes, Hey, I want you to start working with, you know, you know, with six on stuff. So yep. yeah, that's right. Great guy. All right, it might've been, I'm getting the timelines confused now. It might've been like more like 13 or 14. I think we had done a 12 deployment, came back and it was right before the next deployment, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, uh, he was getting ready to leave and I was basically taking over the platoon and he was like, Hey, you know, here's these guys, you should communicate with them. Mm. Um, and we just sort of like started figuring out it, it, a lot of people, this maybe is jumping ahead too much, but a lot of people talk about like, you know, you know, why does it matter or, or, you know, how is it useful? You know, the army has this systems to, to procure things and all these things like I that. I think that's a perfect topic. That is a perfect topic. <laughs> Not yes. jumping too far ahead and, at and, all. And like, you know, no. I probably should start with like a disclaimer that like, these are my opinions and reflect nothing of the DOD, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but my opinion is that like the, the, some of the, the, the systems, the army's designed to kind of be like a Swiss army knife, right? It's mm-hmm. designed to be the like tool that can fit any situation um, and everyone that owned a Swiss Army knife as a kid, like, you know, they had the tweezers, yeah. right? Well, the tweezers were used for nothing, right? Yeah. Like you couldn't even pull a, a splinter pull out a with the tweezers, right? Yeah. You yeah. went to like your mom's like little, you, you know, know. that's a good point. Our tweezer technology is either. not quite there yet, right. guys. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the Gerber needs <laughs> a better is, tweezers. This is yeah. just yeah. in general. Yeah. Tweezers suck. Anyone knows some good tweezers, comment below. Let's get this man some tweezers. Swiss Army knife. Yeah. But like each of those tools, you know, matters, but each of it's like a 60% solution to whatever mm. that tool is. Yes. The, the, 
the corkscrew to open a wine bottle. Has anyone ever opened a wine bottle with this Swiss Army knife corkscrew? Like, Unless no. you're showing it off. You know, you're engraved yeah, Swiss Army knife. Yeah. You know? Hey, guys, what? check out so, my Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got 97. You know, I, I got a nice guy. leather case for mine. There's yeah. always a guy that won the champion one that was about that thick and it was so big yeah. you couldn't open anything. Yeah. So yeah. all he has is big red. Yeah, you're breaking your red block. Pull out the, like, the scissors or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. But my point is that, like, you know, those things, um, that's kind of how the Army is right you have to have a tool that's useful for any option you know any scenario Mm -hmm. it's so diverse that's really not even that good at anything yeah yeah Um, just enough i always tell people that army training you know trains you just enough to get yourself killed (laughs) you know it's like combat you know mountaineering yeah i was like yeah hell yeah right Tie my own belay yeah. here. I, I don't have a mountaineer. <laughs> I can rappel off this mountain. No, I'm falling my death. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm an alpinist. Yeah, yeah. I am. <laughs> alpinist. Yeah, I don't even climb with ropes anymore. Combat mountaineering. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You Swiss Army Knight. I'm sorry. I yeah. keep no, no, cutting yeah, you off. No, no, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm pretty bad for interrupting. But so I think that like the 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 opportunity for Troops Direct to kind of mm-hmm. help an organization, a command or whatever to get kind of a, a finite tool that's useful for the specifics of what they're mm-hmm, doing. Yes. You know, right. So so an example for us was like we have this medical panel that goes in the aircraft. Right. And and you know, someone designed it, it fits multiple needs and multiple purposes. And it's I'm sure a great tool, but it's not ergonomic. It's not user friendly. Mm-hmm. And when I mean, and you're familiar, right? All both of you guys are familiar, right? Like when seconds equal minutes and minutes equal someone being dead or alive. You want something with maybe less zippers or less buckles or yeah. whatever, right? And so to get something that is accessible, that can save you just that little bit of time, it's basically the difference between being effective and being efficient, mm-hmm. right? And yes. so that's kind of the, the difference, right? It's, like, it's not that we don't have a bag to do that. The one we have is the Swiss Army knife with the tweezers that are yeah. basically useful for showing off yeah. to somebody at a party, but not really the tweezers you want to pull out this. It's a broad spectrum. Yeah, you right, have yeah. you have a huge area of coverage, but what Troops Direct does is laser focus that exactly. specific mm-hmm. service. Right. Yeah. And that's important. I think you could almost apply that concept to everything that's coming out now, especially like Instagram businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Is you have, you know, these these huge companies, like we, we could compare it with Terra Arma, you know, our company sure. is, you know, you have, you know, North Face, which is, does all these products out here, but then we laser focus onto base layers, yeah, that, right. you know, regulation compliant items and stuff like that. And you have those systems and those nonprofits who do the same mm-hmm. thing. And they have that just very specific service that just really bolsters up everything. Right. Yeah. And it's so funny that you have to communicate between an external government agency <laughs> or organization um, to get those services in need, like yeah. fucking toothpaste, yeah. you know? And the way we look at it is, and I guess this is, you know, our disclaimer is that, you know, the government does, I, the government does a good job <laughs> in supplying our service members what they need. You know, what do I do with my hands? Yeah. No, but, but it is the, we believe at Troops Direct that the individual on deployment, in the dirt, doing what they're doing, knows better than anybody what they need in that moment. Absolutely. To do their job and ensure their safety while doing that job. Mm -hmm. Because for us, it's about, hey, accomplish your mission, but also get home to your family. Yes. And that's a a big thing for us. So that's really kind of our mantra. Accomplish mission, get home safely. Yeah, I really appreciate these niche focuses. And I'm seeing it more and more with nonprofits over the last few years, especially. I was involved with a nonprofit where we taught uh, service members how to skydive, paraglide, piloting lessons, mm-hmm. basically getting them involved in 
airborne activities, right? Such a niche, niche concept, but you guys are you're taking that same thing and applying it to yeah. the individuals and, and exactly what they need. Because correct me if I'm wrong, you're providing things up to gear and equipment that might be rather expensive in some instances, and, right? And beyond. I yeah. Mean, I could tell you guys stories until, you know, I mean, you ran out of space on those cameras <laughs> about some of the stuff that we've done. I can share some of those kind of the, the cooler stories if you like. But, you know, the one thing also I'll mention is that we were talking about, you know, the, you know, the niche stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that if there was, you know, an additional good thing that came out of the last 20 years of us being, you know, in, in large part of Iraq and Afghanistan was these individuals that came back and said, I know how to build that better mousetrap. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's not you know, like uh, Ross Johnson is the chairman of Tactical Medical Solutions. Mm-hmm. And he was an 18 Delta. And essentially while on deployment in like 03 or 04, he created the the, the tourniquet. Soft tea. The soft tea tourniquet. Soft tea. Yeah. in his garage. You know, is used today, you know. And so it's, but it's those kind of things that, you know, you look at the proliferation of new gear that's out there now, but it all came from the experiences while deployed. Exactly. I mean, and Terra Arma is a great example of that. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Also fitting. Yeah. <laughs> Born on deployment. Yeah. No, but I, I appreciate that concept. And I'm, I'm really happy to see that more, more nonprofits are becoming niche focused mm-hmm. because there's so many generalist uh, veteran nonprofits, especially yeah. military veteran nonprofits. They're, they're, they're diamond dozen. There's a lot of them who just do general aid, right? But I really like watching these niche ones come together because when they start partnering up with the other niche nonprofits, right. basically have a big shopping list for veterans to be like, okay, well, you know, this person yeah, teaches, yeah, yeah, this sure. this person teaches me how to mountain bike or or, right. or skydive or whatever it is. This person is going to build a house for free. This person's going to, you know, take my family on vacation or whatever it is. They're fitting a very, very focused purpose but you know what you're getting out of them. It's not, you're not applying for a grant and, and hoping to right. receive something out of it. It's very laser focused. So they know what they're getting out of it. And that's huge yeah. for but a lot of people. You know what's frustrating now is that Troops Direct has really become one of the only games in town for supporting service members mm. because a lot of the nonprofits that were out there during the, the high times of the war, mm-hmm. they've either switched their mission and good for them to supporting the veterans, to supporting mm-hmm. the wounded. But you look around, it's like, where are all the organizations that support the troops? The active mm-hmm. duty, and yeah. But Aaron, it, the it, war's over. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right, the war's over. <laughs> yeah. you know? Don't forget. But, and, and, that's, yeah. that's a, and I think I'm proud of the fact mm-hmm. that we stayed our course mm-hmm. because without us, without you know, patting ourselves on the back, I don't know what other organization would be able to serve our service members the way that we do in that capacity in that capacity. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's a weird little segue kind of a little bit of like supporting the the veterans and, and supporting people. Um, right. I mean, there's a lot of organizations that you said that support people physically, mentally. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there's also a weird little link, I think between the two. Right. And so I'll give you guys a quick story. Um, one of my deployments, I, my platoon sergeant was this like, you know, ice water veins guy, right. He was a medic in the Pentagon on nine 11. He had done, you know, like pulling dudes out of the rubble. Mm. And then he had done a couple of deployments and he was this like big biker dude, like intimidating. I was always called four, you know, it was like, <laughs> this dude is terrifying. And uh, in 2012, we were at um, Fob Shank, which is like the edge of RC mm-hmm. East, right? Yeah. Also not the most pleasant place to be. Um, and he had done several deployments. He had been around trauma and experiences that are traumatic, you know, his whole time. And, um, and, Basically, my opinion, again, this is like Andrew's opinion, 
is that that deployment was really rough on him because he was a leader, because he was the guy telling people now to go out into these bad situations, right? Like mm-hmm. the me's of the world, like the, the 19, 20 year old kid yeah. that now you make the schedule and say, hey man, you're, you're on mission, like go, right? And that like kind of burden of leadership, I think is what did, you know, much more to his, I think, psychological. And Absolutely. I've done this as well as a platoon yeah, star, right? Sure. Like I've, yeah. I've never felt more kind of, um, responsible, responsible or, mm-hmm. or like, like more emotionally attached, right? Like there's a certain amount of emotion. You're responsible for other people's lives yeah. outside of your own now. Right. right. And that naturally is going to come with a different type of stress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then when, when they go in an environment and it's dangerous or it's, or it's, you know, it's someone gets hurt or whatever. Right. And they, they come back, like you want to hug them, like they're your kids. Like yeah. I'm so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a little link to like, you have to send them in that bad place, right? Like that's our, that's our mission, right? We're in the military, we're in the army or the air force or Navy or whatever it is, right? Like your job is to go kill the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. My job is to go make sure that they come home from killing the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. But if I can send them out to do whatever that mission is with like just a little bit better edge, the little bit yeah. sharper toothpick or, or tooth, you know, tweezers or whatever it is. Yes. Then like that helps my psychological like comprehension of the event that goes like, all right, you know what? I send these people out in a bad way but they have the best stuff. They're the best equipped. They're most trained I can have. Yes. Right? Like my kids are ready to mm-hmm. go to college or whatever it yeah. is, right? It's one less distraction yep. that they have to face it's a little bit of on the battlefield. Yeah. yeah. Right. But and so I think there's a weird link to like troop strike su- supporting mm-hmm. stuff. Also, for me personally, also supports my sort of mental well-being mm-hmm. from being a leader, sending guys out into, into a dangerous place that, mm-hmm. that you know, hey, we have the one size fits all, but isn't the right thing for this mission, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so that is a risk. That's something that we're assuming that risk on. Yeah. Right? I've trained you well and I've equipped you well. Right. Mm, yeah. So I, I think that it's, it's linked to those two things. Yeah, I think it's a mark of good leadership too, the way that you're explaining this, right? A lot of leaders accept responsibility and mm-hmm. they can feel responsible if something happens, but knowing that you've preemptively checked those boxes, hey, have I done the best of my ability to ensure their survival? That is a mark of good leadership. Not hey, we've gotten to this point, now I'm worried about what's going to happen. Of course, you're going to be worried about them. But if you haven't taken those preliminary steps to ensure their survival before they even got get out the door, then, then that's poor yeah. leadership or right. it's, it's not good forethought, right? To consider yep. your men and women that are, that are beneath you, that you're overseeing. You need to you know, put, put in your all before you even get to the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You, have to, you have to make sure that those boxes are checked well yep. beforehand. And that's not to say that like the stuff that you wear, like, you know, limits, you know, your responsibility for training and no, not at all. things at all. But it's like, it's that one other thing that's just like, hey, that box is also checked now. It bolsters you know, it up. In our mm-hmm. PCCs and PCIs you know. or whatever of the... It's a pretty interesting topic. You could go down that rabbit hole quite a bit yeah. is, is uh, reliance on equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big oh, yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had this conversation the other day with uh, rear cameras. Like, it, it, you know, had you ever ha- oh, ha- yeah. meet somebody I that's like, that's like, I don't, I don't like to use cameras because it makes me soft. <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> I don't use my backup camera. Real men use like, rear view. It's the, the, the Sergeant Major from you know. Yeah, uh, oh, but using his P thirty eight to open up a can of beans. Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I kind of want to touch on that topic too is like do you think that ma- that makes you softer or is that something that should be implemented is incorporating equipment that makes the job easier yes and no mm, okay <laughs> so I would say like um, there, there is an amount I think that you you train my, my opinion again would be you train with a somewhat resource and, and equipment limited environment mm-hmm. um, 
maybe as well as or as much as land navigation is a great exactly example you, you of take this. out a compass and a protractor and and a you know how to do it mm-hmm. and you you're do trained it. and then you get to use your gps and right? proficient at this but we use gps and, and in, med- in yeah. you know army medicine we talk about this all the time right like an example would be um intubation right putting mm-hmm. a tube in someone's throat we'll talk about all the time like you have to do this with the the sort of most basic tool the laryngoscope before you take out the glide scope yes the camera yeah, the, the the backup camera of your truck, right? You have yeah. to do it this most archaic way mm. before you move on to the next step, right? And, and again, in medicine, like we'll say, treat the patient, not the monitor, mm-hmm. because there was a time when people would focus so much on just that machine. Mm. Oh, the numbers look funky, and then they avoid that. Like, Pilots will say the same it, thing, right? You know, look out the window, not the equipment, exactly. the instruments. Yeah. You know, except they train the opposite. <laughs> the instruments they train them to not look out the window. <laughs> yeah, right? like, they put a hood over their eyes. <laughs> but, but yeah, absolutely. I think. I think. So I think you have to do both. Yeah, you have to do. You both. Have to master the basics before you move on to the next thing. Yes. Um, and I would say that there's probably some areas where where the technology is the problem, right? Or like you think of like cyber or like any of those things. Like there isn't really a way to master that, I don't think, with, you know, a boots on the ground or whatever. Like that's a theoretical thing. Like I don't know how you would do that without the tools. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the tools yeah. can really make that better. Um, but I mean, land nav's a good example. Or shooting, right? Like, hey, shoot with your iron sights before you put it in Before, cyber, yes. Right? Exactly. That's- Let's do that. And then also you have that fallback. Crawl, walk, run. You know, your ACOG batteries died, right? What do you do? (laughs) Yes. I mean, work up up to that level. But then I think when it's it's fly time and you need every possible tool that you know how to use Mm. in that moment, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you want to rebuild. You got to learn how to rebuild an engine with just kind of like, you know, your screwdriver and crescent wrench kind of thing. (laughs) But when you really got to build that engine, it's time to do it. You want the big, huge toolbox with everything in there that is available to you because if you don't, you lose that race. And so, you know, it's the same thing. Give them what, like, I remember you saying, like, the ALS bags we provided to you. It's like, when you're treating four individuals at once, well, the seconds count. And the seconds turn into minutes when you're treating four individuals. And that is, I think, if I, I don't want to quote you, but that's the difference between someone making it and somebody not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or someone making it, you know, just long enough to go to Germany or something, you know. That's incredible. And I think it's important to highlight at the same time is that you provide, you know, Troops Direct provides gear that does save lives in the long run because it shaves seconds, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So can you give us an example of some like equipment that you, you said ALS bags and stuff like that, but you said you had a couple stories. I mean, I mean that's just on the medical side. I mean, yeah. there's... Uh, I mean, through the years, and we've, you know, also, you know, when you're in the, when you're in the, (laughs) when you're in the battle space, anything can happen. And we've, we've had to replace optics for, you know, some teams because their stuff shot craps and they can't get, you know, they can't get, you know, a brand new optic. Like rifle optics? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For the teams. For the teams. I mean, you're talking three grand, four grand per optic uh, or, more. Some, or more in some of those we're not higher. Going to, we're not Holy going shit. to Dick's Sporting Goods and pulling something off the shelf. They're saying, you know, we need a ATAC R 52056, you know, with, with this reticle. Damn. Roger that. Whoa. It's not a, hey, okay, well, we got you this Bushnell on sale at Amazon. No. Damn. You tell us what you need and we will get it for you. But I think one, I mean, there's, there's a thousand stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can talk about how, you know, a lot of the, on the, on the soft side, these guys have gone from the desert environment to now into the, you know, the jungle environments and new maritime environments mm-hmm. and how that stuff's not working. They can't get things. Yeah. But, like I remember once, um, 
uh, there was a team, team in uh, Nabahar, and uh, we've been supporting them on a myriad of things. And they were this little outpost. I mean, it was probably the size of the studio. Mm. And their entire system was run by this one Volvo Penta generator, or this generator with a Volvo Penta uh, diesel in it. And it had never been serviced, but it was running all their comms, all their power, day, all their everything. Day and night, yeah. Thing goes out, boom. Mm-hmm. Dead, they're dead in the water. And they ring up their supply chain. I'm speaking kind of obtusely right now. And uh, they go, sorry, 12-month back order on parts to get you running. Make do. Impossible. Impossible. Yeah, there's... It's so like, that's the rest of the deployment. Yeah, yeah. so my, mm-hmm. so my, yeah, so my buddy... And I wish I could say his name's his dear friend, but I just can't because he's doing some stuff right now. But um, no he contacts me, phone call, you know, so there's, you always know on your cell phone a certain number comes through that it's coming in from the, you know, the redirect numbers. Yeah. yeah. So and right. uh, yeah. he goes, dude, he goes, we're dead in the water on this generator. He goes, I need these parts. Can you get them for me? And I'm like, okay, send me what you got. And this is on like a Friday. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Volvo Penta diesel parts. But I call this guy I know. <laughs> And long story short, Volvo is like, gotcha. They overnighted all the parts from Belgium, Europe, Belgium, to us in California for a Saturday delivery, all the parts in duplicate. We pushed them through a contact that we had into, I think it was into JBAT, if I'm not mistaken. And we had to bribe some dude, like a case of Sailor Jerry, Longs to get to fly the stuff in, like literally, somebody's seen a movie, commandeered you yeah. know, a 60 to fly it out there. And, but they had the parts in like five days. And that literally got all their systems back up, which included um, all of the, all the technology that had, had all the IED mappings out there. So they knew where all their hits had been like over the past like 12 months. So like he came back to me like afterwards and was like, dude, you don't realize what that did for us. It wasn't just about turning the lights back on. It was because of that. It was like, oh, that's out there now kind yeah. of thing. But I mean, so there's examples like that. There's one, a funny story is um, we got a call from this dude and uh, he goes, we need just for men hair dye. And I'm like, yeah, funny joke. You know, okay, who's, who's pranking us now? You know, have yeah. a nice day. Yeah. And he goes, no, he goes, you don't get it. He goes, um, you know, we've all got our beards out here, but he goes, you know, the, the bad guys are taking pop shots at the gingers and at the blonde hair. Because they can tell. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, and this is a, and this is a, this is a $3.99 bottle of stuff. So the simple, simple example yeah. is kind of a funny story. He goes, we need it for those dudes so they can dye their beards out. Because oh, he funny. goes, we're all kind of tanned out now. But he goes, those are the guys that are getting, you know, shot at. But, um... You know, the other thing is that, you know, we're not sending stuff out arbitrarily. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a firefighter or a cop or something like that. You never know what the next call is going to be. Yeah. And we've got this special inbox and request form on the website. And it's like, bing, it goes off. And it's like, here's who I am. Here's what I need. Helmets. People are like, bullshit. Dudes don't need helmets. I can't tell you how many stories that, and we vet everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a guy that works for us. Jason Noble, he was, you know, he's EAS after 20 years out of the Marine Corps. He's Marsoc guy, phenomenal. He vets everything. But, and he's like, yeah, boss. He's like, those dudes have been waiting for, you know, helmets for six months and can't get it. I heard one story from a guy who was in the teams and he waited 13 months, the most of which while he was on deployment to get a helmet for him as Ops Corps or Team Wendy Mm -hmm. because they couldn't get through the supply line. Yeah. 
And Jesus. it's like, dude, what the hell? I, I got I to gotta roll back just a little bit and, and discuss that generator delivering parts yeah, in yeah, five yeah. days. I don't know if people in the audience really understand the logistical nightmare that is to accomplish in five days to get parts from Belgium into California and then into Afghanistan in a matter of five days delivered to yes. to a small fob. Absolutely impossible feat. Like that, so I, I, huge I, respect. I'm probably safe to say this that. anecdotally now, but um, they stepped up and overnighted the parts to us. We didn't ask for that. They're just like, we got your back. Well, yeah. I mean, and them so, coming through and being supportive and is we huge got too. It. And we had a contact down in Coronado mm-hmm. where the teams are based. Yeah. And he goes, you know, get it to me. Yeah. And he, from there, you know, took care of yeah, it. Yeah. He, he was tied with logs through the logistics support side of stuff. Sure. He's like, you get it to me and I'll get it to, to those guys. Yeah. That is you know? so massively impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, even ordering basic parts that we would need for the helicopter, for instance, yeah. in a deployed location where we're doing combat operations all the time, we would get the same answer. Like, sorry, six weeks. Like, you, you know, you're down like a helicopter that saves people's lives if you don't get this part <laughs> to me, right? Yeah, like, you, you know, there's 5,000 people who are are shitting themselves right now yeah. because they might not get picked up. Well, you know? and even for these guys, right? Like for the for the guys that are like, you know, out of power, right? Like they don't have lights and radios, but they also can't call for help. They exactly. Can't nothing, yeah. Still, medevac, anything, yeah. right? They're just, you know, someone gets hurt, they get rocketed. Like, yeah, one little thing. A smoke flare or something, you know, yeah. hoping that someone sees it. Yeah. And we don't need to, wow. you know, yeast or put any drama in our stories. I mean, this is just the, the everyday lives of some of these individuals. I mean, cold weather gear. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of guys going out, they don't have it. And I mean, cold is along next to the sea. I mean, cold yeah. doesn't care. Yeah, it does not. And, uh, but, now, you know, are you these think- recent issues that you're facing as well? Like, or just a plethora of the, the 20 years, the past 20 years? Well, it's, these are stories that, I mean, the generator story is an example was 2013. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we have stories and requests that are akin to, I mean, that was a, a pretty cool story, but yeah. in its own right, but we have stories that go up to the inbox ringing this morning as to why stuff is needed. Wow. Yeah. So um, what are some of the difficulties that you face nowadays? You know, everybody's, you know, the audience is thinking the yeah. war's over, right? Sure. But your war is not over, I'm sure. So what is we the- We know. Yeah. We know. Mm. You know, I mean- the deployments that are going on around the globe right now, as we sit here, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We know that. Um, and, but it's not making the evening news anymore. It's not making even the, the bottom of the back page of the newspaper anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. Um, but I think the biggest challenge we face is educating the public that this is still going on. How do you educate the public when they're not allowing people <laughs> to share their stories? Well, like, and that's, you know, they throttle everything that has to do with it. You're right. Um, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. It's one where you just don't quit. And, um, you know, he's a Marine. He's, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a Marine. <laughs> but, it, but truly, I mean, you don't say, ah, oh, gee, shucks, you know, nobody wants to support us anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I mean, to that point, and this is, and this isn't a pitch, but it's just a fact of what we've had to do is because it's not in everybody's face and because, you know, people are more focused now on supporting the veteran and the wounded, which I advocate for. Mm-hmm. I mean, on our website, literally we've got our most recent invoice, 15 grand, 20 grand, 10 grand, 50 grand, literally right there. You don't believe us, sir, ma'am. Go on our website, onto the homepage, and you will see the request. Yeah. We've redacted the recipient, 
but everything down to the penny is there. So if you want to call bullshit on the fact that our troops aren't there or bullshit on the fact that the need is not there mm-hmm. for those that are still, you know, O'Connor's, but even for the National Guard domestically who we support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I mean, here's an individual like Andrew that will will tell you, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's also a challenge to your point. You can't get an active duty guy to say, you know, here I am in X location on the globe and troops direct is helping me out right now. Yeah. You can do that with the wounded. You can do that with the veterans. Mm-hmm. You can't I do think that with us. That and that's a challenge. Nails right on the head. Yeah. Um, with a lot of these nonprofits out there is we just want to showcase what we're doing and show the impact. Mm-hmm. And, and you're doing that at the expense of helping those who truly need it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's why it's not as glorifying right. to help active duty vets because, or active duty troops because they can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> the government's definitely not going to mm-hmm. say, yeah. uh, we're not supplying you. These guys are. Thank you for what right. you do. Um, but you have nonprofits out there who, who, who want to be in the spotlight and they want to showcase that. Mm-hmm. And it's really just detrimental. We don't, we don't want to parade out, um, you know, uh, people. We don't want to, you know, go out there and rah-rah, you know, what we're doing. We want to celebrate, mm-hmm. if you will, the fact that we made it happen for a service member who's out there. But at the same time, it's, there's, and rightfully so, there's so much OPSEC out there that we respect and will never breach. I mean, me talking to Andrew about coming out to San Antonio for this was like, I want to be clear. I'm not yanking you here. You keep it at your level and however you want, because mm-hmm. we never want to, we ne- also, we never want our service members to think, oh, gee, Troops Direct is awesome, but we're going to have to do X, Y, or Z in exchange. There is zero tip for tat. It's here you go, bro. Do your job. Rock on. That yeah. is a really hard line to walk to for a nonprofit, not, not to want to capitalize on, you know, using the wounded veteran image and the guy in the wheelchair, or the guy with one leg, right? Yeah. Those are great images that are moving and powerful, helps you raise funds. Yeah. But that is that weird balance and that weird line to walk is, it's really hard to like showcase to the public and say, hey, look what we did. Yeah. But it's also hard to raise money if you don't showcase to the public, hey, look what we're doing. But see here, but this is what's great in my opinion about us mm-hmm. is that if, we have a request, and I'll keep it in the realm of, you know, medical. Mm-hmm. If we have a request for an ALS bag, and um, it's, let's say it's a $1,000 unit um, or additional other medical equipment. I mean, we've done defibrillators. We've done a myriad of things through wow. the years, tons of, tons of medical stuff. And um, when you're able to go to a donor and you're saying, I have a request here for this item, mm. and it's going to cost $1,000. And here's the request from the service member to those donors that we know. You attach a name and a face. Yes. And mm. here's what it is. I'm not asking you for $1,001. I'm asking you for that right here. And here's the paid receipt. I mean, how do you say no to that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes it a lot yeah, more difficult. For, I mean, not to make it about me again, but... Uh, the, <laughs> it's the whole <laughs> but, but hey, Andrew uh, Six, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the medical stuff is sometimes easier, I think, to, for people to see a connection, right? Because... Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone maybe wants to be as openly supportive of, of things that are like in the business of war. Right? Yeah, of um, course. But like it, people tell me all, oh, what do you feel about, how do you feel about the withdrawal or how do you feel about this or that? I'm like, hey, the coolest about being a medic is that I don't really have to care all that my much. My opinion now. doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> getting hurt, then my job's to be there, right? Exactly. That's basically it. Yeah. When they're broken, I'll try to put them back together as yeah. best yeah. I can. And so helping 
us be successful at that or in general, medicine is, you know, somewhat, I, I don't want to say it's more noble, right? Like that's not necessarily what I'm saying, but it's easier to kind of get behind if mm-hmm. you're, if you're like, you know, soccer mom at the Publix, you know, and trying to find a, a you know, charity to give money to, it's easier than saying like, oh, I'm supporting a warfighter. It's more like, hey, I'm supporting them like to make sure they get home. Yeah. Right? So sometimes that can yeah. kind of blur the lines, but I think sometimes that can uh, make people, you know, Attach. realistic about what, what they're giving money for. Yeah, attach, attach a feeling that they're comfortable with. Right? But you know, I also, I want to acknowledge for a second, if I may, the National Guard. So I just, I mentioned them really quickly. But, you know, we see everybody that serves overseas. Yeah. But the National Guard, I mean, you think about what they have to do and whether it's, you know, natural disasters or the civil unrest mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. I mean, these guys have day jobs. Yep. You know, I mean, they're, they're working at Home Depot or they're working in, as a CPA or whatever. They're working as a doctor and something spools up and they're out the door. Yeah. And I'm not talking about deployments overseas. I'm talking about here. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember when we had the floods in Houston a few years ago. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we had truckloads of stuff going down to them to support because yeah. they didn't have anything. Yeah. You know, when COVID popped off, and on the uh, on the East Coast, just like through the tri-state area, and this was when COVID was this big unknown, you know? Yeah. They had no PPE. I mean, no PPE. Yeah, zero. And they're out there, you know, checking people and all that stuff. And it was like, we got you. And we were sending mm. hundreds of thousands of dollars of, you know, hand sanding masks. Also, they were asking us for. Mm-hmm. But I mean, everybody seems to forget about the guardsmen. And, I, yeah. and I'll look to the camera and say, hey, thank you for to those guardsmen that are out there putting in work right now. because. You know, sometimes you're kind of just overlooked and, you know, that's just something that, you know, hey, you know, you don't think our troops are overseas, fine. But you know what? You're, th- that troop is picking you off of a roof when there's a flood. Yeah. Or they're saving your house when there's a wildfire. Yes. Or and, when they're, they're burning down your city, they're the ones protecting your city block. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's something to always remember. And, and they're rotating overseas, right? Yeah. And they they're are doing rotating. just as many of those yeah. rotations yeah. as anyone else is. Well, you know, we were just talking this morning. There's, there's some guys heading out the door right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everywhere, all, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, some of the most dangerous flying I've done, actually, is within the U.S., especially for natural disasters mm-hmm. and, and helicopter firefighting in California. You're definitely not wrong. I yeah. mean, I, I partook in every major natural disaster for the last decade, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, and you spin up in a matter of minutes, really. When, oh, yeah. when Hurricane Harvey happened, we were watching on the map come in. They said, hey, expect a drop. Like, it's going to hit Houston tomorrow. We're, go, we're flying out tomorrow. We're going to meet the, the hurricane as it's landing. And we're going to go out <laughs> right. day, day one. Like the, yeah. the moment it passes through, we're out there to go pick up people. And, that's and you, want to talk about under, you want to talk about the under-equipped individual? Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at what a National Guardsman, God true story. has to has in their quiver to work with compared to mm-hmm. your like regular- Vietnam era gear. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, which is unacceptable. Yeah. It's unacceptable. We have the technology nowadays- to put on a warfighter to make them damn near invincible mm-hmm. and the price tag associated with it isn't mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. So it's, it's important, you know, to have organizations out there that can help facilitate and drive that mission. Right. Is, hey, if you need a Team Windy helmet, like, here you go. This is way better than your, your Vietnam era helmet. And I'll tell you something. I mean, it's not, okay, it's a plug. It's not a plug, but Team Windy, since day one, huge supporters of ours. I mean, I'm, whatever you need, yeah. whenever it is, you work with, with Jose? What's that? Are you working with Jose, their CEO? Or? Jose, he just retired. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Amazing no, individual. No. Jose Rizzo Patron. This, if, if I've got like this silent mentor in my brain, yeah. it, it's like, 
I got to, I'm okay. What would Jose do? You know, WWJD. What would Jose do? I mean, really. And I, he, yeah. if he's watching this, I would never have said that to him. He is, he's that awesome. But Truly. Uh, you know, all the guys over there. I mean, just. That, that is a company that, that defies the norm, mm-hmm. especially in the tactical space. Yeah. They, they break down barriers and they, they really, truly care about service members. They truly care about saving people's lives. They do. And they showcase that. The right? precipice of the technology that they implement. Mm-hmm. That too. You know, is, I mean, they really solely focus on keeping your head protected, don't they? <laughs> oh, <that was> <laughs> totally. It's really important. And, and they're constantly pushing. Mm-hmm. The frontier on that yeah. development as well. I mean, the the new. Uh, have you seen the new uh, foam inserts that they oh, like? Yeah. It's oh my god, it's, it's incredible! Yeah. But like you know, uh, tactical medical solutions, mm-hmm. um, and I mentioned them earlier. But same thing. I mean, they are so behind what we do yeah. that it's stop everything, get it to them, mm-hmm. so that they can get out the door. And we have a we have a sister organization called Cops Direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What Cops Direct does is supplies our law enforcement agencies around the nation yeah. with all the first responder trauma care gear mm-hmm. that they need to save lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 15 minute average EMS response time, cops are there in three minutes, right? Yeah. Who's, That's, who's making it, who's not? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. TACMED's like, we got you, just like Team Wendy and a myriad of other you know companies out there. Well, I'll tell you what, and I could uh, say that we'd love to get involved in with Terra Arma on, on getting some of these, these troops supplied, you know, so we, you know, getting, getting some, uh, regulation compliant shirts in there for these guys, uh, to utilize. I think that's, that's what it's all about is collaborating to, to help drive the mission of taking care of our troops. So you guys have been fantastic. Is there anything that you'd like to say to the audience, like real quick before we part ways, let them know where to find you. America, we, we need your help so that we can help all those service members around the globe. We are still in over a hundred countries. You won't hear about it. You won't see it in the news, but it's fact. And they are calling us every single day. So if you want to support our Americans in a way that no other organization can offer, please go to troopsdirect.org, make a tax deductible donation so that we can have those funds. So that when a guy like six contacts us, we can say yes immediately to make sure they have what they need to serve our nation and get back home to their families. Mm. Well, I mean, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say like, I think Aaron's just an awesome dude for starting it in general, right? Like, I mean, a dude that comes from the private sector uh, who just sort of like found a need. And I think you told me a story of like, you're just like going to Starbucks asking for like the the little instant coffees to like send those guys. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, what do you have? Here, yeah. You know, like, and they're like, oh, I guess these. And you're like, okay, cool. And yeah. I like, come back the next day and ask for some more, right? Yeah. It's like just that kind of like, we talk about like what does he possess, right? Like to me, it's like grit, right? It's mm. just like that that yeah. inability to say no. The kind of like you know what this my gut tells me is the right thing to do, right? And then your dad is obviously pretty awesome to inspire you to say like you know what maybe you should try to do that. Yeah. So I mean, I think that like my two cents would be that like thank you for doing what you do, yeah. right? Because it's nice to also be you know, 7,000 miles away and know that there's somebody in your back pocket that like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, your mom loves you and she cares about you. And, and there's just, just that there's one, like one person you person. could call yeah. that could facilitate yeah. and drive the mission. But also, yeah. you know, Troops Direct, I'm not some, you know, lone, you know, operator, you know, Rambo, <laughs> John Jay doing stuff. I mean, it's, I've got, we are truly a fire team. It's me, it's Adina, it's Melissa, and it's Jason. I mean, we are the ones that, you know, we hit that buzzer every morning. We're the, as a team, we're the ones that affect it. And on the Cops Direct side, 
you know, I've got Jake White and he and I are working every single day to make that happen. But mm-hmm. it's a it's a group effort. And to have people like Andrew come out and and validate what we do and lend, you know, credence to our mission goes a long way. And, and thank you guys for having the, the belief in us to have us come all the way out here to talk to you today. It means a lot. We appreciate you guys and we appreciate what you're doing. And it's our pleasure and honor to help share that mission. Thank you. So, thank you for being on the show. Right on. Absolutely. Well, this has been the Medivac Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. See you next time.